today on Ag News Daily. Honestly, the cheap stuff is is fine. I mean, there is weird in an golden age of wine. There are amazing wines in the 15, uh, say like the 15 to $40 category. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast brought to you today by Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. I'm, of course, your host, Delaney Howell, joined today by Ashton Carr. Ashton, I got to be honest with you, today's a little dry on the news front, as well as any sort of other news I might share as well to keep our listeners entertained. I should have looked up a joke or something for today. Honestly, I didn't even think about that. We probably should have because I also don't have a whole lot of news to talk about. And the news that I do have really isn't all that exciting. Well, it's a little bit of a dead day then it sounds like here. And, you know, I'm a little upset by that because it's just a weird day. I feel like in general, I woke up this morning and when I first woke up, it felt like I was waking up to a Monday, but then I went and ran some errands earlier this morning and did a couple different things and it was feeling like a Friday. So my brain's all jumbled around. So I think it's just weird vibes today. That's fair. I feel like you get that sometimes and that's okay. But uh, I know we are going to be hopping in and having a great interview come up here later on in the podcast. So maybe we can just go ahead and breeze through a little news here, Ashton, before we get to that. I think that we should definitely do that, Delaney. And I'll go ahead and just kick things off here with a little update from Argentina. And it is about weather. So, of course, we're going to continue to talk about that tomorrow with Eric Snodgrass. So, folks, stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, do have a little bit of an update here because Argentina's Buenos Aires Grains Exchange trimmed its forecast for the country's 2021-22 bean planting area by 100,000 hectare acres to a total of 16.4 million due to dry weather. And I read earlier today that temperatures are getting up to 113 degrees Fahrenheit down there. So not good news. That's scorching their crop you know, not good news for those producers, but there is some cooler weather. I say cooler, not sure, you know, by how much when it's 113 degrees and the potential for rain comes Sunday. So again, going to talk to Eric about that tomorrow for sure, but not great news for our Argentine producers. No, and Eric's really knowledgeable in South American weather and really great at painting the picture of based on where we're at in the growing season is this rain going to be timely enough to help out? So he'll definitely have a good take on that tomorrow, Ashton. And I was watching that a little bit as well here when you look at South American rain. And I had just a little bit to add to that because over the past 30 days, I've been kind of watching this through Stonex. They keep track of basically the percent of normal rain that we see. And so we saw that over the past 30 days, it's been the driest that it's been during that time frame over the past four decades plus for the region. So much so that 87% of Argentina's soybean belt receive less than 50% of normal rainfall over the past 30 days, while 47% received just less than one-fourth of normal rainfall. So like you said, there we're also seeing these scorching temperatures on top of the less than normal rainfall. 
expected to get rain, but that's definitely going to be a key discussion point. We talked to Eric Snodgrass about on the podcast tomorrow. So certainly going to be a great episode, folks, for our Friday episode. So you do want to make sure you stay tuned for that. But Ashton, as we're talking the larger economy as a whole, we saw the latest CPI, which is, of course, an indicator of consumer prices released that pointed to an increase in 7% year over year for the month of December, which is the largest increase since November of 1982. Now, of course, a couple of reasons could be pointed for this, but the biggest is, of course, the fear that inflation is taking over. And the market is also beginning to chew through the news that They're expecting to see the Fed raise interest rates four times here over 2022, which, of course, is set to start in March, which will potentially help with some of that consumer price increase, potentially won't. So yet to be seen there, but certainly interesting as you look at that. And, you know, as you look at the broader economy as as a whole as well, Ashton, there are, again, some rumors that we might see more and more global shutdowns. I know Canada has all but closed their borders to non-essential workers from the United States and other countries. A lot of other countries are following suit due to the new Omicron variant. Uh, So there's still a little bit of wild cards when it comes to the overall economy, but certainly a lot of positives as well that we're seeing when you look at things like the oil industry boom. Well, Delaney, I have a trade announcement here as India's proposed trade pact with Britain could potentially help double bilateral trade by 2030. India's trade minister and the UK Secretary of State for International Trade launched negotiations earlier this week seeking freer movement of goods and people with a deal projected to increase bilateral trade by billions of pounds. Britain has said that this deal could almost double British exports to India and that by 2035 boost total trade by 28 billion pounds per year. And I know that this has nothing to do with the U.S. Delaney, and I I know that we have some foreign listeners out there, but I thought that this announcement was pretty interesting just because I'm learning a little bit more about trade. I'm in a trade class for my final semester here, so I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye out on this one and potentially going to be reporting a little bit more as I get to learn the scene a little bit more. Oh, fantastic. Certainly looking forward to that, Ashton. But As we look at other factors impacting the business of agriculture, you know, we've been paying a lot of attention to fertilizer. And I think I reported maybe yesterday that some folks had been reporting that they anticipated fertilizer prices to slow down here in 2022 due to the fact that January's really has been seen as slowing down so far. However, we've got a little bit of contradictory news coming out of Texas A&M. I know big rival for you there, Ashton at Texas Tech. So try to keep an open mind as I report this story, but uh, just getting all all seriousness aside here, um, Texas A&M puts together a lot of great research and information as do other many institutions out there in the ag space, but Texas A&M's Agricultural and Food Policy Center has done quite a bit of research here recently about the impact study on fertilizer prices as a request from U.S. Representative Julia Letlow from Louisiana. And so as they found during this study, a couple of key contradictory points, which the biggest really here is that 
you know, we were anticipating perhaps fertilizer prices would be expected to slow down and increase here in 2022. A lot of folks were thinking we'd still see increases, but only about 10% increased. But based on current spot market prices, Texas A&M is saying that they're suggesting increases this year in excess of 80% Ashton during the planting season, way different than what a lot of folks were expecting there. They also found in the report that the largest whole farm impact would fall on farms at an average of $128,000 per farm. And so that certainly is a big chunk of change there that a lot of folks will be seeing. And the largest per acre impact would fall actually on rice farms uh, of all farms at $62 per acre. So it wasn't corn that actually came in their first, actually rice farmers getting hit the hardest. And we certainly, you know, I don't even know if we've ever had on, I want to say we've had on a couple of rice farmers, Ashton, but it's been quite some time. So that definitely might be something we look into talking about here, since that is definitely an industry that until now, I really hadn't seen a ton of news on it, but certainly a concern for many rice farmers as well. Absolutely, Delaney. And, you know, I've got to say, although I am not a fan of the Aggies, they do some really interesting research and come up with a lot of interesting things to discuss. So I've got to hand that to them. I won't, you know, be stingy and try and steal that title for Texas Tech, although I think we do some great things over here too. A&M is definitely a leader when it comes to those kinds of things. But let me just kind of get off my soapbox there. I won't dive too much further into that. But I'm going to go ahead and put a pause on our conversation here, Delaney, just so we can hear a bit more about today's sponsor. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Picking back up here, just have one other story that I wanted to discuss with you today at Delaney, and it is concerning processing workers in Wisconsin. We know that the COVID-19 pandemic has created a shortage of meat processors, and especially in Wisconsin, as it's being reported that it is worse than ever up there. So Wisconsin is now spending $5 million to help train a new generation of workers who can prepare beef, pork, and other meats. The Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection and their governor announced the program on Tuesday. And this program is going to be funded by Wisconsin's share of the Federal Pandemic Relief Program enacted back in March, otherwise known as the American Rescue Plan Act. This money is going to be used to attract and provide financial support to meet processing students in Wisconsin and to help the processing industry connect with prospective employees. So we're helping our students. We're helping our industry. thought it was a great conversation to be had today. It certainly sounds that way, Ashton. And we'll kind of end there because I don't really have any other news to share with folks for today before we get into today's interview. So let's leave it on a little bit of a high note there. 
And Ashton, speaking of high note, we certainly did not see that same sentiment carry into the markets today as we saw a major correction in soybeans, largely trading on the fact that we are intended to see some timely rains here down in Argentina this weekend. In the meantime, let's take a look here at the March corn contract, which finished down 11 and a half cents at 587 and a half. The May down 11 and a quarter cents, closing at 589 and a half. In the soybean pits, as I mentioned, there are major corrections today as the March contract shed 22 cents, closing at 1377 and a quarter. The November down eight, closing the day out at 1304 and a half. Now in wheat today, we continued to see weakness as the Chicago March contract shed 11 cents, settling at 746 and three quarters. The May down 11 and a quarter, ending the day at 749. Hopping over to take a look at livestock today, we saw mostly green across the screen. As we dive into the February live cattle contract today, up 42 and a half cents at 137, even the April up 45 cents, closing the day out at 140.97 and a half. In feeder cattle today, that strength continued as the March contract added a dollar 70, closing at 167.72 and a half. The April up a dollar 70, closing at 170.47 and a half. And hopping over into lean hogs, the front month, two front month contracts here finished in the red, while May and Further deferred contracts finished in the green. February lean hogs dropped a dollar today, closing at 77.85. The April down seven and a half cents, closing at 85.32 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. February shedding 45 cents today, closing at 22.18. The March closed down a nickel, closing at 22.33. Ashton, without further ado, fill us in on who we're talking to for today's interview. Today, we are talking to Vince Anter. Well, we have an interesting interviewee on with us today. We are talking to Vince Anter, who is the host and the big brain behind V is for Vino, a, a wine show. And I'm very excited to talk to you a little bit more, Vince, and get to know more about your show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Vince, before we start talking about wine and all of that kind of stuff, and I'm very excited, it's definitely got me in the mood to open up a bottle. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit more about you and your background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, you know, I came from, I didn't come from a television background. I came from a wine background. You know, I was in Los Angeles trying to be a, a rock star, but a lot of people uh, are trying to be rock stars in Los Angeles. And so I decided um, as I was kind of fading out of the music thing that I was going to get into wine. I was paying my way through LA, putting meals on the table by working as a bartender and eventually as a sommelier. So I got into wine. I took my sommelier exam. I passed it, which was great, but there was no easy way to learn. You know, the sommelier exam is a three-part exam. It's really tough and rigorous and requires lots of book study. And I was just like, there's no way for casual consumers to learn about wine. Um, And I had this unique set of skills after I passed. I had an IT degree, a business degree. I had the wine knowledge. I was comfortable on camera. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make a wine television show that is the Bourdain meets Alton Brown of wine. So we go to the places in the show that we talk about different wine regions. You learn about the place, you learn about the grapes, 
You learn, meet some winemakers, you cook dishes with a local restaurant to pair with wines. And so I wanted to bring that travel element to, to the wine world. And so that's what we do. I think that your story is super interesting. And I had no idea that you actually had to take an exam to be a sommelier. Well, listen, you don't have to take to, to drink wine. You don't have to do anything. I'll start there. <laughs> you can just open a bottle and drink it. Um, and, you know, the sommelier certification, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't even put that kind of in my bio because I, I am proud of it. But at the end of the day, too, there is a bit of um, a reputation in the wine world is, oh, there's these barriers to entry. And if you don't know about it, then you can't appreciate it. None of that is true. Um, so I took the test to become the psalm, but like I said, I didn't want everybody to have to do that. I wanted people to be able to understand wine just casually. Well, Vince, as you know, the Ag News Daily podcast has a lot of ag listeners, so we definitely want to hit on that part when it comes to viticulture and winemaking. So can you give us a elevator speech of sorts about what that process really looks like? Yeah, you mean the, the kind of the harvest process or selecting a location or... Yeah, let's go through the the harvesting process, because I know that there are a vast amount of locations for people to grow wine. I mean, I live in Lubbock, Texas, and we have a ton of wineries out here, which is a surprise to me just because of our location and the ecosystem that we have down here. But why don't we dive a little bit more into the harvesting process and what that's like? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, wine's pretty amazing. You know, vines um, are one of the few crops that can grow in pretty much anything. I mean, I've seen there are places that are famous for having like stone soils, rock soils, and the vines can grow or volcanic soils, volcanic ash. Vines are a really amazing crop in that perspective. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, wine is a crop first and foremost. Right. And so a lot of the a lot of the harvest is the same as you would any other crop. You know, you have your seasons, you have your you know, essentially your dormant season in the winter, you're pruning and, and prepping the grapes in the spring. Um, and then you're you're harvesting usually in in the autumn. Um, I, I skip summer, I guess. In summer, they're you know they're ripening. You're still pruning. That's where the bulk of the the bud break and the ripening happens and the changing of color. And then yeah, you you harvest usually in the autumn. Usually in August, September, as late as October, even November in some places. It all depends where you're at. But the really magical thing about wine is. You know, it is a crop that's dependent upon the terroir. You know, it's affected by not only the soil, but, you know, the if it's you know the annual rainfall, the temperature, if it's in the shadow of a mountain, if it's near an ocean breeze, those elements all go into the final grape. And that is the really amazing thing about wine that I think is very unique is this element of terroir and that no two places with wine are the same and wine can't be replicated. So I can't take the grapes from one place, you know, let's say the Napa Valley. I can't recreate grapes that taste like that anywhere in the world because the Napa Valley is unique. Well, I'm certainly enjoying our conversation talking about wine here, but I do want to stop really fast just so we can hear from FMC, of course, today's sponsor. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
So I want to talk about your show a little bit more and you've had some fun adventures from what I can see, but I do have one question and it's a little bit stereotypical, but have you ever actually smashed grapes with your feet? I feel like every time I see something about wine making on TV, it's smashing grapes with your feet. Yeah. The old, uh, the old, I love Lucy. Uh, yeah, it's, um, no, I, I have done that. Uh, I've done it actually in our, our first episode ever, our Napa episode. Um, we did, we did some, but then I got to do the real deal. So that did happen, you know, more often back in the day. Now it's often with machines, but in Portugal, specifically in the production of port wine, um, they still do that process for some of a lot of the higher end wines. Um, and not only that, but they do it in a big row in a line with a whole bunch of usually burly gentlemen, but could be anybody. And they, there's a band that'll play music and you march to the sound of the music while you stomp the grapes. So there are a few places that still do that. And the reason you do that actually is because they, they truly believe that um, there is something about the pressure and the weight of a human foot that'll give the right amount of pressure without breaking the seeds open and, and producing bitterness in the wine. And so that's why they do that. So Vince, if any of our listeners are into wine or wanting to get into appreciating it a little bit more, and myself included, you know, I'm a college student. So to be honest, I just drink the cheap stuff and it does it for me, but I want to appreciate it a little bit more. So do you have any tips on really creating a good wine drinking experience for some of the amateurs out here? Yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, I have a bunch of them. I mean, the first thing I'll say is you say you drink the cheap stuff and honestly, the cheap stuff is, is fine. I mean, there is weird in an golden age of wine. There are amazing wines in the 15, uh, say like the 15 to $40 category. And now, now sub 10, I start to worry about, okay, what are they doing to get me the wine this cheap? Um, but other than that, like you don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't need to spend 70 bucks, a hundred bucks on a bottle of wine. There's a lot of amazing stuff. That's number one. My first uh, major piece of advice I tell people is spend more time on the nose, um, which means on the smell, swirling and sniffing. You look a little pretentious doing it, but the reason we do that is because Wine is is really amazing, and the aromas are carried up with the alcohol, which evaporates a little quicker than water, up into your into your nose when you swirl. And we have millions of receptors in our in our nose, and we only have about five on our palate, you know, on our tongue. And we know what those are, right? It's bitter, salty, sweet, etc. And so that's why when you have a cold and you plug your nose, you can't taste anything, right? Well, so that's why we spend a lot of time smelling. So spend more time smelling, um, and then my other advice would be taste side by side. So get two very different wines and taste them side by side. A lot of times when people are starting, what they say is, oh, wine all tastes the same to me. It all tastes like red wine to me. Well, if I had a red wine on Monday and then another one on Tuesday, yeah, they're probably going to all taste the same. But if you compare two different wines, two different grapes or two different places side by side at the exact same time, that's where you really start to see the differences and you start to learn what you like and what you don't like. Well, Vince, as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation here, I want to know more about some of the important things that you've learned along this journey. Obviously, you know, just some of the tips that you gave out, but when it comes to a more in-depth conversation about viticulture and winemaking, what are some of the top things that you've really taken with you along this journey? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, from viticulture and from a, a wine region perspective, I found that the most successful wine regions and places where people grow grapes 
are successful because they have a strong community around them. Uh, wine is is tricky, you know, and, and learning the terroir, learning what grapes go well, learning pruning techniques, that all happens by the community sharing their experiences together. You know, nobody can survive on an island in the wine world. So my first piece of advice would be, you know, if you're looking at getting involved in, in growing grapes, make sure you're going to a community where some of that maybe already exists so that you can lean on the knowledge and the resources um, of others. Well, Vince, obviously we want our listeners to go and explore B is for Vino a bit more. So where can they find you online? And of course, your episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the best place is V is for Vino.com, V-I-S-F-O-R-V-I-N-O.com. Uh, on there, you can watch the episodes. Um, you can see all our social meet, uh, social links, but we're V is for Vino on Instagram and, and Facebook. Um, you can also see the show on Amazon Prime, uh, on Roku, and on YouTube. Awesome. Well, Vince, thank you once more for coming on and sharing all of your wine knowledge with us. I think I'm going to carry this into the weekend and have me a, a wonderful Saturday just drinking wine. Yeah, yeah. Listen, my, keep keep exploring. Don't you know my my other last piece of advice I'll give you is don't fall in a rut with one grape or one place. Uh, the world of wine is is too big to get stuck in one thing. So go out and get a bottle you never had before. Thanks again there to Vince for coming on and chatting with us today. It was certainly an exciting one, although talking about winemaking and viticulture, it has me in the mood to start drinking a little bit of wine this afternoon. So Delaney, I think I might have to clock out early and get to that. That is totally fine, Ashton. You do you. Well, Delaney, in the meantime, if any of our listeners want to crack open a bottle of wine and listen to any of our past episodes after listening to this one, they can check us out at agnewsdaily.com or wherever they find their podcasts. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.